good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? I mean, are you real glad to be in the house of God today? Man, it is so good to see everybody joining us. Whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, it means the world that you are. And I want to, again, I'll just uh, say again that we are in our 21 days of prayer. And already, just this week, I feel like I've been hearing about miracles and life change and things that God has been doing. It's been incredible to just already see the power of prayer at work. And so uh, I wanna encourage you during this time to, to set some time aside, and we're gonna talk more about that in a moment, but just to spend some time in the next few weeks in prayer. And uh, every single morning, for those of you who love good 6 a.m. prayer, how many, of you, how many of you love to pray really early in the morning? Nobody, okay, good. Good, I'm just let we, we have, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, maybe I'm not joking, I don't know. But at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. every day between Monday and Saturday here in the auditorium, we have, our, we have a pastor here, our team is here, and we just wanna let you know we wanna pray with you, pray, we'll be praying for those prayer cards that are all across the front of the auditorium during the week, and so I wanna encourage you. You received one of these uh, prayer cards when you came in, and I want you to fill one of those out and just write down what you need God to do. It could be your family, it could be business. I spent on Saturday morning, that's normally when I can make it here, Saturday morning, I study here on Saturdays. And so Saturday morning I was here uh, and I read, I don't know, probably a hundred, over a hundred of these cards and read just what people need this and that. And it was just a supernatural thing or a sobering thing I should say to see what, what people are facing and we just believe that God does things when we pray. And so uh, I wanna encourage you, take some time, fill that out. And at the end of the service, I wanna give you the opportunity for those who haven't done it, I know we did it first Wednesday, to come down and lay it on the altar. I know there's already a few down here, but I believe that things happen when we pray. Amen, everybody? And then today, after second service, we have our belong uh, a gathering. So it's not a class, it is an experience. And if you're interested in learning about the church, learning about yourself and, and serving in the kingdom of God. Uh, this is today after second service. So we believe that uh, everybody should have a place to belong. So we want you to come be a part of this today. There's gonna be food provided, and if you have kids, the kids will be taken care of as well. So we wanna see you after second service. All right, today I wanna begin a series called The Pattern of Prayer. And I'm gonna talk to you through this, kind of where this came from as we go, uh, but I think a good place to start is simply this, God wants us to pray. Amen, everybody. Throughout the pages of the Bible, we see over and over that prayer is a common theme. In fact, there are over 650 different prayers recorded in the Bible and there are stories of prayer that include mothers praying for pregnancy, parents praying for children, armies praying for a battle, people praying for their leaders, leaders praying for their people, people praying for direction, healing, miracles. And sometimes when uh, we see prayer and people calling out on God, we see that many times throughout the scripture, it was the difference maker. So when you would read, you will see that oftentimes prayer 
was the difference between a won and a lost battle. That prayer was the difference between victory and defeat. You can see that there was oftentimes a miracle or a turnaround or a healing or a breakthrough or a deliverance simply because prayer made a difference. And what we find in the scripture is Paul tells us about 41 different times to pray, to pray. We find in the ministry of Jesus that he prayed 25 different times in his earthly ministry. I want you to understand something today. God wants you to pray. Now, listen, I know a lot of people when they hear prayer immediately feel a little bit of anxiety, feel a little bit of uh, pressure. For some people when they hear the word, you know, or they hear somebody say, you need to pray, they feel immediately shameful because they haven't prayed. Or maybe they feel embarrassed because they don't understand prayer. Or maybe they don't wanna pray. Maybe they're even confused. How do I pray? When do you pray? Why do we pray? Where do we pray? What do we pray? All of it together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That when you hear this, it sounds good, it's really spiritual, we know, we know it's the, we, we know, okay? But what, you know, you want to, but it's not easy to do it, and, and if we were all honest in the room today, I think we can all relate to the feeling of being overwhelmed, being embarrassed. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you just know, I need to pray more. Maybe you're in the room and you're not, uh, you've not been a Christian for a very long time and you're just learning how. Can I just tell you today, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. And I wanna just submit to you today very simply this. What if prayer is easier than you think? What if prayer is easier than you think? Here's a couple things I think, some myths I could help you with. Uh, number one, prayer does not have to be long. Prayer does not have to be long. How many of you know that those are the people that are always called on at Thanksgiving to pray over the food? And you're like, why do you exist? Why are you here? Why are you still alive? You're 100 years old. We need to stop inviting you. Come on, somebody say amen. You know, for some reason, they always called it. And there's never a short Thanksgiving prayer. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, oh, no. It is funny when my wife and I go out to eat with people and you know, when you're the preacher, when you're the pastor, it's like you have to pray over the food. It's like they look at you and say, Pastor, will you bless the food? Always, it's just part of the gig. They said, always, just part of my life. It's the burden I bear. Uh, but it is funny to watch people because 90% of the time you ask my wife, I say, God bless this food, bless this time together in Jesus' name, amen. That's what I say. What else do I gotta say? And everybody's like, I can see the shock in people's eyes. Like, did that count? Is this good? Are we okay? We're good. It's blessed. We're blessed that we're together because prayers don't have to be long. Amen, everybody. Now, they can be long, but they don't have to be. Here's another one. Prayers do not have to be loud. Just helping some introverts out right now. You could... You can really, it doesn't have to be loud. Now, there are people who are just loud people. Have you met my father yet? My dad prays super loud, but my dad is super loud in Walmart. And they're like, I call him showstopper. Everywhere he goes, he has to be the center of attention. 
He's the loudest guy in the whole world. But he's a louder person, so he prays loud. But sometimes, if we were honest, you, it's not always got to be like that. You know, sometimes you could just pray in a whisper. Sometimes you could just pray in a, in a more settled, like even he could hear your heart's cry, the Bible says. Here's another one. Prayer does not have to be theatrical. You ever seen those people where it's just a bit too much? Or have you heard them when it's like, oh, Father, thou holiest of all, King of Israel and all of Judea, Jerusalem, and Caledonia. <laughs> we pray and we covet thou thy blessings this day. And it's like, bro. Doesn't gotta be theatrical, right? In the scriptures, and I may talk about it this month, that prayer, uh, you know, there's, there are times that we do kneel, and there's times that, you know, the Bible teaches us to raise our hands, and the Bible uh, has five different things that there are physicalities to prayer at times, and, but I will say this, it's, it's, it's this, sometimes people just are different when they pray. You ever notice that? And it's like, man, you, you, you're talking like, like old English, and you graduated from West Point, okay? <laughs> and I've been to West Point, and nobody talks like that over there. Here it is, last one. Prayer is not for spiritual people. Prayer is not for the spiritual elites who are the more astute, more profound, prophetic, mystical. Prayer's for everybody. Every age, every race, newly saved, saved forever. In fact, I'll say this, even unsaved. Because how else are you gonna get saved unless you call on the name of the Lord? Aren't you glad God hears a sinner's prayer? So, I recently met an individual who's been helping me with, with prayer, and the definition he gave me was this. Prayer is simply talking and listening to God. But let's just bring it down to what it is. Prayer is talking and listening to God. Now, I'm sure there are people in this room like, can we speed it up a little bit, Pastor? Like, can we get, when do we start casting demons out? And when do we start to wave flags? And when do I get a shofar? Do I get to blow it north, south, east, and west, or east, west, north, and south? Well, let's do this. Let's calm down a minute. And if you have a shofar, I'm not making fun. I don't have one. Can I get one from you? I'd love a ram's horn to blow in the office every once in a while. But here, here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to understand. <laughs> Is that prayer it's for everybody. I, I think it's important as we start this series to bring prayer to the bottom shelf for all of us to understand that this is not for the spiritually elite, the profound. This is for all of us, and it is simply talking and listening to God. Now, listen, here's my theory. We have heard a lot of information, most people, about prayer um, there's lots of books, sermons, podcasts, no doubt about it. It's probably one of the most covered topics in Christianity. And a lot of us know we need to pray, but we just don't pray. And here's what I need you to catch, is that prayer is like going to the gym. See, most of us are like, I'm, you lost, man. We don't go to the gym. 
I don't either, so let's just, we're all together in the name of Jesus. But prayer is a discipline. So some people feel like, man, I just don't feel like praying, so I must be a bad Christian. But how many of you have ever woke up in the morning and felt like eating good? Because it's a discipline to eat good. How do you woke up in the morning and be like, you know what, can't wait to get to the gym. Even like gym rats will have days where they're like, I don't really wanna do the gym. You know, they say the, the most difficult piece of equipment at the gym to use is the front door. It is, that door weighs like a thousand pounds. But here's, here's for the people who oftentimes may be like, Pastor Ethan, maybe you're making this really simple. Here's what I want you to understand, is that prayer, I don't know if it always comes natural. I think it is something we have to work at. So when you, when you drink water, isn't this the truth? You wanna drink more water. When you go to the gym, then you start wanting to go to the gym. And it's the same way with prayer. Once our system and our spirit begins to get this rhythm down, then we'll start desiring to have more prayer. But oftentimes when it's just real sporadic and it's like real quick in the morning and it's random at night and it's right before a meal, well, there's no rhythm, so your system and your spirit is not connecting to this new discipline in our lives. So I'm, I'm just gonna walk you through this. First uh, Peter chapter four, verse seven. The end of the world is coming soon. I want you to see that. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest or passionate and disciplined in your prayers. You seeing that? Be earnest and disciplined. Do you see that verse right there? See that word that is saying this is, you need to be passionate and you need to prioritize and be disciplined in prayer. Now, I want you to, to look up at me. About, uh, about a year ago, I attended a thing with a man named Pastor Larry Stockstill called Pastors University. I did it for three or four months with him and uh, he taught us on prayer. He taught all of us pastors, a room of lead pastors, about 40 or 50 of us, uh, and taught us on prayer, he taught us on so many different things. And, and those of you who know him, he's just really a legend. The man's planted around over 26,000 churches all over the world and a really profound guy. In fact, I'm very excited. He's gonna be joining us this year uh, and later in October, but I'm really glad that he decided to be with us. But I was so moved when I had this time with Pastor Larry because even as a pastor, hear me, I can be inconsistent in prayer, okay? Even as a pastor, even as a person that stands on the platform, I can be a person that prayer drifts off my priority list. I got kids, I got responsibilities, I got to-do lists just like you do. And, and it can just slip off the radar. And so my whole life as in the ministry, I mean, it's just been a back and forth tussle of just like eating good, you fall off, you get back on, you know. It's just like, that's how it feels. It's just, prayer is one of those things that easily fall off the priority list. And so last January, Pastor Larry took some time and poured into us the importance of prayer. And it stirred me so deeply that last January, I'm going, I, I'm a, I begin to apply what I'm gonna teach you for the next four weeks. And I wanna tell you, I really believe it transformed 
I would say my prayer life, but as my prayer life has been transformed, I believe it's transformed my life. And so the man you knew in January 2021, or 2022, you didn't know me in January 2021, but in January 2022, in January 2023, it's just a different person, really just because of this simple teaching I'm gonna bring you through this month because I needed help to get a consistent, earnest, disciplined prayer life. It's, it's that simple. And I needed help because I knew the demands on my life, I knew the demands on my family, the demands in my ministry, the things I gotta do every week in preaching, and God, I needed help. And God brought, I believe, Pastor Larry Stockstill into my life to help me with what I'm gonna share with you the next four weeks. So really, for those of you uh, who are taking notes, this is what I have found to keep me consistent and on track is simply this, a plan. Now, I know that doesn't blow your mind, but Benjamin Franklin says that if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. And people may be thinking who are more spiritual, that like, I don't need a plan, I just wake up, and okay, that's great, but there are some of us that need a plan. Right, everybody? Mark chapter one, verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off in a solitary place where he prayed. So we need a plan. Everybody say plan. Here's the first thing we find in that verse with Jesus. A plan, we need, a, we need, we need to plan a time to pray. Everybody say time. Jesus prioritized connecting with his Father early in the morning before there were too many distractions. The Bible says it was still dark. He got up and knowing the demands and, the, and everything he had going on, he had to get up early and he had to be away from everybody and he needed to get some connection time with his Father. Now this is what he did. Now many of us, just hear me today, we have to make time. You know what I have found? I want you to listen. You don't find time. <laughs> you ever notice that with your kids too? You don't find time with kids. You don't find time with your wife. Time is one of those things that just gets away. You don't find time. You make time. So as you make time, you got to make time for God because here's the reality. We already make time for Netflix now I'm off, it's okay, I'm not, I'm not spanking anybody for watching Netflix. But we make time for what we like, we make time for boating, we make time for fishing, we make time for hunting, we, we make time for shopping, we make time for making that call. It's, I get it, that's life. But we hate, you would hate to make so much time for everybody else when we could just make some time for God. Am I helping you today? Jesus got up early. So for some of you, you know, I don't know if I'm a major morning person, but I got kids and I don't have an option, okay? How many of you can relate to that? You just gotta do it because they're the devil. But here, here's, <laughs> but hear me today. Maybe for you, it's late evenings. Maybe for you, it's a break at work in the car, cup of coffee when you're alone. Maybe it's when the kids take a nap. Wherever you have, whatever you have to do, make time. Now, here's what Pastor Larry taught me. This is profound, and I'm telling you, this 
is so true. When you make time to pray, you make time in your day. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He says that when I take time to pray in the morning, I can later that day make eight decisions in one hour. If I don't make time to pray in that morning, it will take me eight hours to make one decision. I promise you, I'm gonna tell you something, that's true. When I carve out time in my morning, I try to do mornings, when I carve out time in the morning with God, it makes me clearer, it makes me more focused, it makes me more determined, I got a sense of direction, I've connected with my strength, I have new life flowing in me, the Spirit of God is touching me, He is speaking to me, and then when I step out in the day, His power is within me, and I can make decisions much more clearly than if I did not pray. Now, I want you to, I wanna make sure a disclaimer, I don't get this right every day, right? Things happen, you get out of sorts, you got a rush, you forgot, you slept in, or whatever. I get that, but for the most part, if we can create time to pray, it will make time in your day. Write that down, and I promise you that's gonna happen. Because the clarity of mind. Number two, plan a place to pray. The Bible says Jesus got up early, time, and then he went into a solitary place to pray. So he went to a location. Uh, let me show you some of these verses. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 says this. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Here's another one. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over and pray, Mark 6, 46. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray, Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So are you seeing this? Jesus didn't just have it in the morning and try to connect. It looked like he prayed at all kinds of times. Watch this, he was oftentimes going to a place. Jesus liked the mountains, it looks like. He went to the mountainside and he prayed, connecting to his heavenly father, filling his spirit up. Look at this verse, I love this verse, Matthew chapter six. And when you pray, Jesus said, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray, standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So he's saying, you need to find a time and you need to find a place that you are alone with God. Let me read you that verse in the message paraphrase translation. It says this, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. Isn't that good? Watch this. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Look at this. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage 
the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Isn't that powerful, church? I recently was sent a story by a woman or a, of a woman named Susanna Wesley and her health was poor. Her marriage was to a penniless preacher. She was deeply dysfunctional, which the marriage was deeply dysfunctional. She had lost nine children in infancy. She raised 10 of her own children. More were uh, mostly single-handedly. Single uh, her home was burned down twice. Her husband, who was a preacher, was also in prison twice. And yet her, her simple, honest, preser uh, preserving, persevering prayers undoubtedly changed the world. This woman was the mother of Charles and John Wesley. This woman gave her children six hours of schooling a day, listen to this, plus an additional hour a week of undivided attention with each of them. She had lost the nine children. She had been through heartbreak and bitterness and brokenness. And, and what she did to pray every day was fascinating. This is what she did every day to pray. Can you imagine, first off, having 10 children? I mean, wow. <laughs> what she did is that she would go to a certain chair every day, and she would take her apron where she's been cooking, and she would put it over her head. And the kids knew, don't mess with mama. Mama's praying. Or at least that's what she told them. <laughs> All the distraction, she's homeschooling 10 children. She had lost nine children. She's been with a dysfunctional, in a dysfunctional marriage. She's, their, their family is in disarray. And that mother, every day, would go to a chair, take her apron, put it over her head, and prayed. Because that was the only place that she could find seclusion to spend time with her father. So I want you to hear me today. Many people could say, I don't have a place. I don't have, you, you don't find a place. You may have to make a place. For some, it may be uh, in your car. You may have to get in your car. And, and that's where you have to go. My wife knows that sometimes when I needed to study or do something, I would go to the car. I'd be like, this is, say, park as close to the house as I can get the Wi-Fi and I would study and I would pray in there. For others, you may be able to sit out on your porch. For others, it may be the hunting stand. For others, whatever it may be, it could be your office, could be a spare bedroom. I wanna encourage you, find a place to pray. The, 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 the place is to help you get along with God in your heart. Just get away from distractions, silence your mind, slow down everything around you, put your phone down, put your phone down, Put your phone down. I'm talking to me, I think. Put your phone down because I don't think we can hear God when we're watching, observing, scrolling, tapping, liking, when we just need to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds. If the phone wasn't with us, that's half the job right there, right? We need a pattern. Here's the last one I wanna give you. We need to plan a pattern to pray. So not only do we need a time, not only do we need a place, but we need a pattern. Now, again, some of you may not need this, but for me, I needed this. 
And this is what Pastor Larry taught me. Some call it the Moses prayer. Some call it the tabernacle prayer. Um, I'm gonna refer to it as the tabernacle prayer as we talk this month. But this is the pattern that I use almost every single day to pray. Now, you may recall in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were leaving Egypt. They were on their way to the promised land, and God wanted to be with his people. He then meets with Pastor Moses and says to Moses, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to create, by these specifications I'm gonna give you, a tabernacle. And so here's just an idea of what you see. Here's the tabernacle over here on this side. Here's the tabernacle um, that they built. These are specific measurements, materials, everything that God told Moses to do. This is how people or the priest actually on behalf of the people would connect to God. I'm gonna explain this through this month, but you can see several different pieces of what they call furniture. Some of the furniture is inside that, that box tent looking area. So as you can see on the screen all behind me, there are seven different, you could say, pieces of furniture including a gate. There are what you could call seven stations of prayer. The gate, the brazen altar, the laver, the, uh, the table of showbread, the candlestick, the altar of incense, and then we have the Ark of the Covenant, what the Bible calls in the most holy place. Those seven steps, I know we don't live in the Old Testament, we are not under the law, but there's a pattern here that seems to help me at least I know it helps many people who do this, seems to help people walk through prayer time. And there's seven different places that God could help us, the word of God can teach us that we need when we pray. Because hear me, if you don't have the pattern, you're gonna be jumping around, okay? So I'm not, and you can do whatever you want. If you connect with God your way, do it. But for me, I got ADD. Nobody told me officially, but I don't need a doctor, okay? Is there anybody like me that it's hard to keep your focus? And the more we keep going with social media and our phones, attention spans are getting shorter and shorter, okay? So when we pray, have you ever been praying like, God, just help me with this day? And I wonder if that turkey's on sale today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, don't make me feel bad right now. That's just how it feels. Look at Lenita knows what I'm talking about. This is, this is real life. This, this tabernacle prayer helps me stay on track. I don't think there's anything supernatural, but I think what it is, it just gives me a pattern that when I pray, I'm going to different stations in this order that we're gonna be talking through. And today, in closing, I'm really just gonna talk about one today. Let's talk about the gate, the tabernacle gate. Everybody say the gate. The 30-foot wide gate entrance to the courtyard was covered with a screen made from blue, purple, and scarlet uh, yarn uh, strands and woven into fine twine linen. The priest would go into that place, and when they would go in, they would then do the, the sacrifice, sacrificing and the procedures for worship. But hear me today. When the Bible teaches us in Psalms 100 verse four to enter his gates with thanksgiving and to go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. This is how we start 
to pray. You, you and I start praying in a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of thankfulness. So many times people will jump straight to what they need. God, here's what I need. I need this and I need that and there's nothing wrong with it. And listen, if you're about to rear end somebody or someone's about to rear end you, we don't got time to go through seven things. Come on, if, something, if somebody's running a red light in Columbus, Mississippi and you're getting nervous, you can say the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is a prayer, everybody. But if you're in your quiet time, start with a spirit of gratitude. Some people will write, take a list, a piece of paper, and they'll begin to write out their blessings. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for my salvation. They begin to write it out. And I will sit here and just, and when I start my prayer, I start thanking God for the most basic things. Thank God for this cup of coffee. Thank God for sunshine today. Thank God for my children's health. God, I'm so thankful for my house. God, I'm so thankful for my refrigerator. You think I'm kidding, that's how I talk to God. Because if you're thankful, say thank you. God, thank you, thank you for my health. Thank you that I Thank you that I know how to, that I, thank you that I can walk. Thank you that I can drive. And I begin to just start my prayer. And when I start feeling gratitude, my heart starts to warm up. That's the only way I can describe this. It's not feeling fake. Because what you gotta be careful with when you use a pattern is that you can just almost become a system and you're not there anymore and you're going through it and it feels fake. Hear me, I don't move from any particular place of prayer of the furniture pieces in the tabernacle till I feel my heart's warm and real, okay? Till I feel I'm connecting to what I'm, like I'm not just saying words, my heart's connecting. I'm feeling gratitude speaking in my heart right now and I begin to thank God for his many, many blessings. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16 through 18 says, rejoice always, Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I've heard people say, Pastor Ethan, what's God's will for my life? Be thankful. You ever thought about that? We always wanna know where's God gonna, is he gonna take me to Africa? Is he gonna do this? Is he gonna make me of this? Is he gonna, uh, listen, I think one of the things that's God's will in our life is that we're grateful that we are just honest before him. And when you're grateful, you're just reminding yourself and God that the money you have in the bank, he gave it to you. That when you, when, we're just not grateful and worship God on Sundays at 9 a.m. <laughs> it's easy to do it in here with everybody else, but when you get up in the morning, I wanna just encourage you to say, God, I'm thankful this is the day you made. I will rejoice and be glad. In, well, the stock market's down. I'm thankful I'm alive. I'm thankful I'm blessed. I'm thankful I'm favored. Am I talking to anybody? The ability to think and... I was, I, I was thinking about this and a person in our church sent me something 
and I told him I was going to use it in the message. And I went researching to see how accurate this information was. I want you to hear me this morning. If you woke up this morning with health, with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million who did not survive this week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, the pangs of starvation, you are ahead currently of 500 million people in the world right now. If you can't attend church service without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than three billion people in the world right now. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the people in the world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, spare change in a dish or someplace else, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthiest people. Come on, is anybody grateful right now? If you can read that sentence right there, the tabernacle gate, if you can read that, you are more blessed than over two billion people in the world who cannot read that. I want you to hear me today. You're blessed. <laughs> I want you to hear me today that you have the favor of God. I want you to hear me today that when you wake up in the morning, you may need to remind yourself, instead of just always going straight to your needs and what you want God to do for you, why don't you thank him for everything he's already done for you? If you got breath, the Bible says, let everything that have breath to praise the Lord. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city, and I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I have the favor of God on my life. I'm walking in the gifts of the Spirit. I have the fruits of the Spirit. He's got his, life. He's got his hand on me. I'm caught. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Sometimes we get up in the morning, all these kids and this house and I got to fix this, and I got to do that. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Just take a moment when you start to pray, or just start your day, and let's just not forget, there are some people that would do anything to have kids run around their house. People would do anything to have the problems that you and I, literally like, oh, I can't find Wi-Fi. Like, that's rich people problems, guys. Right? You're so blessed. And you can look around and just think about the favor of God on your life. Your house. Well, I, Pastor, I don't own my house. I rent my house. You got a house. Well, my house, you know, it's on wheels, Pastor. Put rims on it, baby. Love that thing. That's your house. You got the favor of, some people don't got one. My kids only got a couple gifts for Christmas. Honey, they got gifts. They're still alive. We're all breathing. We're favored. Listen, I'm just trying to help somebody that you have, you are blessed. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. That's why when you come to church, we start with the fast song. You notice that? Everybody's like. Because some of you, that's how we praise. Because when we come to church, we're just going to praise Him. 
because you made it another week. This week, I was in the hospital several times praying with families, a lot of families this week. They would do anything to not be in the hospital right now. You're just sitting here. People have grieved over the loss of family this year. And, and, and you still got your family. You're blessed. So I want to encourage you. The first stop of prayer, just be grateful. God, I'm thankful. God, I thank you for Vibrant Church. I'm thankful for our, thankful for our serve teams. I'm thankful for our legacy team. I'm thankful for our worship team. I thank you for our, our greeting team and parking lot team. I'm thankful for our, one of our best financial years in the history of this church. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Health scares didn't come out to be what they are. I'm thankful that your hand's been on us all this year. Man, you're so good. You're so good. Here's what I want you to do, church. While you're sitting in that chair, if you received one of those cards, I want you to write down the prayer that you need God to do. And while we're worshiping in a moment, I just want you to make it the way down. I want you to set it on the altar. And we're just gonna pray today. But will you just stand with us all over the room? Anybody thankful today? Anybody grateful today? You're so blessed. You're so blessed. You're so blessed. They're coming already with the cards. You're so blessed. There's a song that says, All my life you have been faithful. Anybody know that song? Come on, Pastor Tyson, let him hear it. Come on, let the king hear you worship him right now. With every breath that I am made, oh, I would sing of the goodness of God. Come on, maybe you want to raise your hands. Let's just thank him for a moment. You got breath in your body, don't you? You got food in your belly, don't you? You ate breakfast today, didn't you? What's up, man? Good to see you. Hey, man. Good to see you, brother. Hey, man. Thank you, Jesus. Good to see you. Hey, man.
Thank you, Jesus. We say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray over every one of these cards in this room that's been laid on this altar this week, that are laid on this altar this morning. We decree and declare miracles to come to pass, healings to transpire, breakthroughs to come. We pray for families. We pray for business. We pray for your for every request that's been brought to the altar today. We just believe that you will involve yourself in such an obvious way that when we look back, we're going to know that you were involved with these requests. And we pray in the name of Jesus. We speak against anxiety and fear. We speak against cancer. We speak against diabetes. We speak against sickness and disease. We curse the root of bitterness. We curse the root of racism. We curse the root of confusion. We curse the root of poverty. And we uproot you in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off these situations, Satan. And the Lord rebuke you now. God, your grace and your mercy be upon them. And let them see the favor of God. And we pray a knock is coming at the door in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give God a big praise in the house. With eyes closed all over the room, if you're in the room today and you have never accepted Jesus, but you feel the draw in your life, you may be drifted away from him, but I want to tell you today, this is the greatest decision you could ever make, to fully surrender yourself to Jesus. If you're in the room and you've drifted or you've never known God, if you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus once and for all, I want you to raise your hand. We just want to pray. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Will you pray with this prayer after me, everybody? Say, dear Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me a new person. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, is there anybody thankful this morning? Come on, give God a big thank you praise, a gratitude worship. Put your hands together. Give God a thank you.